When your child is struggling, as a parent, you need support. Welcome to Beyond Risk and Back. I'm at the 46th Annual Psychotherapy Associates Winter Symposium. This is in Colorado Springs, and once again, I get my hands on the experts. The men and women who are speaking at this conference, the, the, the other people having booths here, this is where all the experts in the industry of mental health and addiction and recovery gather to share the information they have, and I want to get it into your hands. So thank you for joining me on this week's episode of Beyond Risk and Back. I don't offer all my guests a job, but uh, when Dr. Barnes sat down, I, I did. Uh, sorry, Foundry, you guys got a good one here. Uh, I interviewed Dr. Barnes last year uh, here at the Winter Symposium, or was it at CCSAD? Cape, Cape Cod. It was in Cape Cod. Mm-hmm. And we talked about the other family trauma. Uh, and it was a good show. And parents, if you haven't listened to the, to the show with Dr. Barnes uh, from the CCSAD series, uh, go check it out. Because... His take on it, that, that show impacted me to the point where um, when we knew we had a job opening at Fire Mountain, I told our executive director, Sherry, I was like, I'm going to talk to Dr. Barnes. He has very gracefully shot me down, <laughs> but I'm going to interview him anyway. No, what, uh, you set off the air, doctor, um, that uh, you know, we call this a disease, but we don't treat the whole family that's suffering from it. Let's jump into that right away because, sure. you know, we, we have, we have one child in the family that's acting out and they're doing drugs and they suffered a trauma or they've got some mental health. Everybody is tiptoeing around the, the child and everybody is, but now we get the kid into treatment and the whole family can breathe. And that's the old model. Right. Well, it's, it's interesting, uh, you know, there's a lot of information on chronic disease management in the medical world. Right. And it starts usually with how do we inform this family and under, help this family understand that this illness has had more of an impact on everyone in that family, not just the person who is diabetic or who has the chronic disease. And that they do a, a phenomenal amount of work in helping the family understand what has this done, disease done to how this family functions on a daily basis? Looking at everything from family history to family lifestyle or life cycle stages, and right. and because this kid had an addiction, how are the the siblings after him being treated differently? You know, one of the I I watched Dr. Patch Adams was one of my very early mentors, mm-hmm. and sure. listening to him, the first time I ever saw him speak. Uh, he said, your grandmother doesn't have Alzheimer's. Your family has it. And we Absolutely. have to treat the family, not just the grandma. And because of that, my dad, who is an administrator in Longmont, they created hospital rooms where every piece of furniture pulled out into a bed so yes. that the whole family say yoga class was available to everybody, not just the patient. And this is back in the you know, late yeah, 90s, that's... early 2000s. Like, so, so this is literally what we're talking about. It's once again something we've all known for two decades, but right now everybody's going, maybe we should treat the family. Yeah, and, and the idea that um, there's, a, there's a concept in narrative psychotherapy called externalizing the problem. And the idea is that Johnny doesn't have this problem. This is a problem that has infected our family. Right. And if we're going to solve this and help him, him getting sober isn't going to help 
us necessarily. So as a family, we all have to begin to change and look at how this illness has affected us. So it's kind of like a bomb has exploded and kind of altered how the family functions. And just getting sober isn't going to be enough to change that. It's a great metaphor. And it's a, it is, sometimes it feels like a slow motion bomb. In fact, I believe nine times out of ten, the family sees this problem over the, the, the year, and everybody just slowly explodes. It's interesting. I had a client once that had a gas leak in his house to where he was breathing almost toxic levels of gas on a regular basis for years, and that he never knew it until he started to show symptoms. And then once he started to show symptoms, they couldn't figure out what it was. And, that, and I kind of equate that with like this yeah. idea of slowly altering the biology, the psychology, the behavioral aspects, um, rather than an explosion, but like a very slow infection. So, so that the listeners can start to recognize that some of the things that they're dealing with are actually the signs and symptoms that you're talking about. What are they? If, if you're saying, well, as a parent, you'll find that you're, and a mom's going to go, holy crap, I'm... I'm dealing with caretaker's burden. I'm dealing with, uh, you know, the fact that my son and you guys at the foundry, you work with 18 and up men. 18 and up, yeah. And uh, so they've dropped the kid off with you guys. And I say kid, they might be 30, but they're still, you know, 30 going on 15. What is it that that these these adult, the parents are recognizing as symptoms that they're dealing with this disease as well? Oh, I think that there's a whole, there's a whole list of, there's like, Lots of different kind of emotional states, uh, anger, frustration, fear, threat uh, response, uh, autonomic nervous system activation. They're nervous all the time. They're hypervigilant. Um, they're, mo- they're watching that kid and all the other kids on a regular basis. The, the desire to enable um, is getting stronger and stronger because of their own fears. Like we said the last time, I don't enable because... I enable because I love my kid, right? But I really enable because it's too terrifying not to do that. I don't right. know what the outcomes are going to be. Um, enmeshment, um, uh, kind of closing boundaries so that uh, the kids don't have the freedom that you know. I talked about life cycle stages, and there are times in a family where the kids are supposed to have freedom, right? And if one kid's struggling with addiction, the next kid's not going to get the same freedom to move through the appropriate developmental stages that they're supposed to go through. So um, we, we begin to see parents disagreeing about parenting. Uh, one parent being a buddy and the other parent being kind of the critical... The disciplinarian. The disciplinarian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that, you know, uh, the thing that makes this complicated is that it didn't start with this kid, usually. It started two or three generations ago with an alcoholic grandfather right. who impacted a mother who became the term we use codependent t- today, but I, I think codependency is, is really complex trauma. And so that mom then has her kids and is raising those kids based on her experience of growing up with alcoholic grandfather. Right. And so to be able to say, well, it all happened because of the addiction isn't necessarily true. A lot of times the, the parenting style started multiple generations before. The addiction is actually a symptom in many families of 
the kind of developmental struggle that the family's having. A lot of people don't uh, understand the genetics of trauma like that. That that what's happening with, between you as the parent and this kid who's, you know, smoking way too much pot and they're, you know, they, they've been cutting, whatever, put it, put it all together. That this stuff's going to now leak down through the next few generations. And the way I try to describe it is I saying, if grandma was scared of snakes, cause she got bit by one. And then, so when grandma's walking on a path with, with a uh, uh, dad and sees a snake and grabs dad and screams and holds dad tight to her chest, dad suddenly develops a fear of snakes. And then when he's got kids of his own, he's like, we watch out for snakes because one bit your grandma. That's no different than alcoholism, than trauma, than than being a, dealing with an assault or an attack, uh, the Holocaust. Like like this this is how yeah. this stuff it leaks downward. It trick it doesn't trickle. It's it's not a downward trickle. It's a pour. So how is this going backwards? So we got a kid. It's not just going downhill. It's it's this this liquid's running uphill now. Yeah. Well, first let me say that. There's a book called It Didn't Start With You that I would recommend that any family dealing with addiction read because it is the best description of that transgenerational kind of traumatization, the, that epigenetic kind of transmission of trauma. And it and explains it on a scientific level, but also an emotional level, on a behavioral level. And so uh, that's one of the books that I really try to have our families read as much as possible. How do you say his last name? Mark Woolen? Uh, yes. Mark, Mark Woolen, it didn't yeah. start with you. It looks like it's available on uh, on Amazon. Yeah. Okay. And it's a non-threatening read. It's not like, <laughs> oh, my God, my family's all... It's grandma's fault. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but it really explains that idea of, you know, biologically, my limbic system, my the part of my brain that is programmed to look for threat Be, did, I, didn't start at normal. Right. It started, and so... Hypervigilance is taught. It's, it is not only taught, but um, it's, a, it's, it's got its own positive feedback loop, meaning p- feedback loops are, are interactional behaviors that actually create the behavior to happen again. And so by being hypervigilant, I'm looking for the things that are, are threatening, so I find them all the time, which makes me more hypervigilant, which makes my relationships with other people more controlling, which makes the people around me then begin to kind of take a step back, which makes me think, well, I, I need to pursue, like that pursuer-distancer relationship that we talk about in couples therapy and family therapy is really this, it's bred through that kind of limbic hypervigilance of if I don't pursue this person they're going to abandon me. Um, so we'll get back to our guest in just a second. I got to make a quick shout out to two organizations that have really helped out Fire Mountain and Beyond Risk and Back at our booth here at the Winter Symposium. First is Guayaki Yerba Mate. They have given us cases and cases of this amazing incredible drink to hand out to other people to get people in the industry of mental health and addiction to understand the benefits of guayaki yerba mate and brain recovery brain building i could i could spend an entire episode which i did by the way with one of the co-founders david carr so go listen to that beyond risk and back episode 
And you can always Google benefits, scientific benefits, scientific research behind Yerba Mate, and you will understand why we give this drink out to people in the industry. This is a hidden gem that is getting more and more popular. So please support us being supported by Guayaki Yerba Mate and go pick yourself up a can and get some for your teens. And then second, I need to thank Psychotherapy Associates Winter Symposium people themselves for letting us be here and broadcasting this show and helping us email all of the speakers to get the information, the the, the new cutting edge research in brain development, addiction recovery, mental health. And I get to interview these incredible people and get their information into your heads, parents. So thank you to Winter Symposium and thank you to Guayaki. Okay, let's get back to our guest. We had a we had a family, and I know he's he's not going to uh, uh, mind me talking about him, uh, Joe. He's actually been been on one of the episodes about school shootings. Um, his daughter, you know, Joe, uh, you know, twenty plus years in the military and counterterrorism and military police, and his daughter was utterly brutalized. Um, Joe after a little bit of arm twisting, threw into the process of recovery. Not his daughter recovering, but Joe's own recovery. That treatment stopped being woo-woo bullshit and started becoming something that was going to save his family. But, Dr. Barnes, my question is, when I have listeners who are saying, "I, I get it, I believe you, but my parenting partner, my ex, they're not enrolled here. What do we do here? How do we do this part? Well, I think that's always the, that's the biggest challenge for treatment centers. And that's one of the reasons that we're putting together a, a very comprehensive family therapy program that is going to basically require families to be part of that. And the idea being, and it's interesting, families come up to me all the time and say, what, what do you think we should do? And um, I, I say, I used to tell them, and now I say, if I tell you, will you do it? And the answer is almost <laughs> 100%. It's not no, and it's very rarely yes. It's usually, well, it depends on what you it say. It depends on what you say. Wow. And, and I talk to families about, like, if, if, you're, if your kid had cancer, and I said, I can tell you the three things that you need to do that are going to maximize your kid's likelihood of recovering from their cancer will you do those three things that the answer is mostly going to be yes and so i think coming to terms with the stigma and so one of the things that the medical community has really come to understand that our community still struggles with is every family has an illness story and a healing story and it comes from the way they were raised and transgenerational implications and all of that and and to me what I work with families is, are there things in your life that you've done the absolute best that you could do and you just couldn't do them? You didn't know how. And, and is it possible that this is a problem that is so significant, so dangerous, so painful, that even your best attempts um, 
and, and we're programmed. So I think we're programmed to do what we call first order change. And that is... Explain that. Yeah, what is that? First order change is to use our current worldview and our current understanding and our current definition of the problem to solve it. And so I look at a problem. I say, this is it. My kid's incorrigible. He's acting out. He's making bad choices. And so the answer to that is to be a tougher parent to hold them more accountable, to set firmer boundaries. Because oh, that's all we know. Because that's what we know, and sure. that's what we were taught, and that's what my dad did. Right. And so um, in family therapy, we say more of the same always results in more of the same. And so really getting them to begin to look at the more of the same piece. I'm not challenging your efforts. I'm not challenging the love for your child. I have a traumatized kid, too, and, I, and it was all I could do to survive it. Right. But are you open? Are you, if there was another way that really would, not guarantee, but really help this solution, in any other area, would you consider it? And they invariably say, well, yeah. Yeah. And then they say, well, can, can you engage in a really non-blaming process to where, with some education and some new insights that we can help you create what we call a second order change? And that is a change where the whole system begins to change. I think uh, when we were talking in Cape Cod, one of the things you said, which, which really blew my mind, because this is, this is another kind of, it's a statement that I believe came out of your mouth where we were all just like, huh, never thought about it, where you proposed asking the parent, do they have the energy? for this and that was that was potent like that's something that i walked away from our interview going i'm never gonna forget that to be able to to ask a parent and i've done so in all our parent weekends hey what we're going to talk about in these four days is going to require amount of energy from you that you may not have because for the last two years you're not sleeping well you're not eating right your marriage has been suffering and you're fatigued, not exhausted, you're fatigued. Do you have the energy for this workshop? And they'll numbly nod yes, but then we're like, great, thank you for saying yes. Let me ask again. And about half of them start to answer honestly and say, I don't know. I'm exhausted. Wiped out. And, and so we talk about bandwidth a lot, you know, how much bandwidth do we have? So we were just talking about the, the, the kind of hypervigilance and the control. That's an exhausting process. And so if, if a family... It kills your adrenal system. Oh, absolutely. Adrenal fatigue is, is universal, sleep issues. Um, but it's, it's like if we can get a family to begin to recognize that hypervigilance and a need to control everything in my world is a symptom of secondary trauma and primary trauma, and that by saying to someone, you know, maybe... Maybe it's something you need to change. Goes right in the face, flies in the face of hypervigilance and control. And so it's, it's like, well, I, I'm, hey, I'm trying to keep every ball in the air. I'm exhausted. I don't have time to do these other things. I've got other kids to worry about. I, I, I've got other kids. Financially, like, we're struggling because I'm paying for treatment. Like, this is so, so... Before we wrap up and give them the Foundry contact information, let's let's take a couple step backs. A parent who's listening to this and going, holy crap, I have cancer too. Holy crap, I have Alzheimer's too. Holy crap, I'm traumatized too. 
what are some steps they can do right now after this episode to start to confront, deal with, and uh, fix some of the things the parents are dealing with now that they're recognizing the whole family's in recovery? Well, I think there are a lot of people, like uh, uh, like Kevin Peterson is a friend of mine who does a lot of work with families, that there's a whole movement right now of, of people really kind of helping families begin to look at the systemic impact of this. And I would say um, kind of reaching out, finding those people, and beginning to recognize that. Like I always think about if I have a client whose addiction started at 14, 15, and they're having failure to launch, they're just not getting it, I will invariably ask that kid, so who in your family had cancer? Or who in your, like, who got hit by a car? Like, what was the trauma that happened before your addiction? Right. And so that idea of getting families to begin to recognize that this, you know, sometimes addiction actually is a symptom of some other issue. It becomes its own chronic disease in that process, particularly with sort of genetic predisposition. But that idea of being open to looking, that it, it may, they may have no idea what's going on, really, to be able to help that. So finding therapists who can really help them begin to investigate and look at the big picture of uh, you know, addiction as a chronic disease um, in co-occurrence with a lot of other potential issues and being willing to look at family of origin. And so um, I, had a, I had a woman, uh, I did a presentation the other day, and a woman came up to me afterwards and said, my son's been um, in and out of recovery for 25 years. He's chronic addiction and chronic mental health. And we've been to lots of therapists, and we've been to lots of help. And when you were talking, I, it was like you were talking directly to me. <laughs> and she said, no one ever diagnosed me with PTSD. But the story that you just told tells me that I have it. And I said, I was talking directly to you. <laughs> and that idea of, I think the, the very first, the toughest step is the step to saying, I don't understand this. Yeah. Like, and to go, go to you, go to the person who's working with their kid right. and saying, uh, you know, I, I, I don't want to be blamed for this, but I, I don't know what to do. Foundry's a good program. You guys are still uh, new kids on the block and you have to hold that title for about 10 years in this right. industry. Um, and up in Steamboat, Colorado, which is second most beautiful first is Estes Park where I live but no I, my daughter went to college in, in Steamboat up at CMC just a beautiful place talk about the Foundry for a bit because it's a good program you guys are a good program so the Foundry is, is a program that is trying very hard to be a thought leader and to be a leader in terms of trauma integrated addiction treatment and so we virtually everything we do has sort of cross purposes. And so that we're really working on the addiction. So so first and foremost, the person has to get sober. Yeah. Like all the trauma stuff in the world is great, but if the person's still using- They're not dealing with the trauma. That's a problem. Yeah, so, yeah. This I, so often I see programs that kind of uh, become trauma informed and then start working on trauma and the, the addiction stuff gets sort of- Right. Left out, and right. so we're we're always moving back and forth 
Uh, the term that we use is pendulating between working on the addiction and then what's the body doing in response right, and then right, back. Right. So um, we're small, 14-bed residential. We have an eight-bed partial hospital, uh, like an apartment. In, it's a townhouse in Steamboat to where they continue in the same kind of programming, but then they, they live in the community. So our, our average length of stay, you know, we're a primary insurance-based program. Okay. Uh, with the ability for some people to stay longer. So 45 days is, is probably pretty typical for us. Okay. Uh, sometimes 60 and then sometimes 90. Um, uh, traditional 12-step, you know, as well. But okay. we're in the process of building the family program that I'm talking about right now, that uh, really three-phase program, um, education, and really working on what I call the unresolved wounds of the family that, that actually have to happen and get resolved before we can move on to understanding all this transgenerational stuff. Right. The idea of, so what's it like to be asked to come into this session when your loved one's the one with the problem? It, right. It, like that right. idea of, and beginning to talk about what are the wounds that need to be healed before we can even move on. Right. I got to give up more time at work. I've got to, like, there are things to address. And so uh, I always remember I had a client once that said, my wife thinks I have a drinking problem. And I don't. And so she wants me to go to therapy. I said, okay, if I come to therapy with you, and we just don't talk about addiction, we just talk about whatever. And I said, that would be unethical. And I said, if you had a problem with addiction, would you want to know? And he thought for a second, and he said, yeah. And I said, can we talk about that? And that's really the beginning of our family program, is really that idea of, if you really, like if the problem was different than you thought it was, would you want to know that? Wouldn't you want to know? And so if the answer to that is yes, then let's get started because there's a lot of complicated things that we need to talk about. And it's not your fault. Dr. Michael Barnes uh, from the Foundry in Steamboat, Colorado, thank you so much. You're very welcome. Uh, Thanks I, for having I, me I, on. I love your show. I, I mean, I love, your, I love you as a guest. I love your work. Um, job offer stands. <laughs> thanks. I appreciate <laughs> it. All right. Thanks for being on Beyond Risking Back again. Okay. Thanks. This has been another episode of Beyond Risk and Back. Thank you so much for joining me, parents. Please remember to give us a listen, a like, a subscribe, and share us with your friends, other parents who need the support. I have a few people I'd like to thank. First is Frazier PR. I'd also like to thank Your Cause Consulting. And I need to give a shout out to Deepin Productions. As always, thank you to Mental Health News Radio for hosting this show. And I'd like to thank Guayaki. Guayaki has sponsored our booth here at the Winter Symposium. And of course, all my fans everywhere, all over the world, thank you so much for making Beyond Risk and Back a number one parenting podcast. Remember, parents, take care of yourself first, your adult relationships second, and your children third, because in that way, we do our best work with our children. I'll see you next week.